guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Our first reading from the Book of Wisdom today connects us with the Gospel reading in the presence of Jesus as an overabundant, superabundant presence of life which drives away the power of death. Merely to be in the presence of this life is to experience the effects, the healing effects of this, of this life over even what seems to be unhealable, uncurable, death itself. To be in the presence of the Lord is to be in the presence of life itself, the source of life. Even a kind of proximity allows us to partake and to receive like being closer to a, a, a heat lamp and, and feeling, feeling that warmth and that life as we draw near. The Book of Wisdom speaks about how death is not a part of God's intention. He did not make it. It's not something that he rejoices in, for he created things to be and not to pass away. Strictly speaking, we could say, what is death? Death is, isn't something that has an existence of itself. Death is the lack of something. Death is the lack of life. It's something negative. It doesn't have a, a kind of being of its own. It's simply the absence of, of life, just as, just as darkness is the, isn't something that's, that's actually real. It's simply the lack of light, the absence of light. So God doesn't create things that don't exist. Death does not exist. Death is the result of a, a disintegration, a falling to pieces, a disordering that was introduced into God's creation, as, as the Book of Wisdom puts it, by the envy of the devil. The disorder of death, disease, isn't part of God's intention. What is death itself but the integrated harmony of the body slowly falling to pieces? One organ or set of organs or, or system can no longer operate in, in harmony with the whole of the rest of the body. And so, and so death ensues. It's not as if, as the imagination puts it, there's a, there's a presence there, that reaper with his scythe who's, who's doing something. It's rather, we can no longer stay rooted in the harmony that God created for us. This is true of all of creation. The great advances that have been made in the study of ecology, showing that interrelationship and the balance of all of the different parts of creation. Our planet itself is a, is a kind of harmony itself. All the different parts of it, the, the plants, the streams, 
the sun, the air, the earth, right? the actual soil itself, all of these animals and plants that inhabit it interact in profound ways. And when one of those things is altered or disturbed, it has an effect on the whole. A sort of famous example of the study of this, popularized on, on social media, was the study of the presence of wolves in Yellowstone National Park. The wolves, uh, at some point, were considered a, a threat. Many of the ranchers and others who were using the park had conducted a kind of campaign to exterminate the wolves. It seemed like a good thing because the wolves were obviously killing a lot of the other animals there for food. Populations of deer and elk and rabbits and mice were all being affected by what they regarded as an overpopulation of wolves. And so in the 60s and 70s, most of the wolves were, were absent. They were gone out of Yellowstone Park. And a number of scientists began to notice in the 1980s and 1990s that the little streams that flowed through the park and eventually down into the Yellowstone River had become grazed down to such an extent by the deer and the elk that the roots that had anchored the banks of those streams had receded and they were noticing more and more erosion, changing the courses of those streams. Not a good scenario, in other words. And the conclusion was that the absence of an apex predator like a wolf, had allowed an overgrazing of the willows and grasses that anchored the banks of those streams to such an extent that it was beginning to have an overall effect on the nature of the park. The decision was made to reintroduce wolves in the 1990s and over the course of the next several decades. Right, those changes were more or less undone and a certain harmony was restored. It's far more complicated than that. That's a, a very simplified version of it, but ecology studies these things. The interrelationship and the harmony that exists and what happens when certain parts of it are suppressed or eliminated. One of the teachings of our faith is that the human person is, a, is like the universe in miniature. What, it, what is true of the, of the whole world is also true of each individual person. We too exist in a kind of interior harmony, not just in our bodies, but in our spiritual dimension as well. Our reason, our emotions, our choices, our will, our decisions, our appetites, all of these things are meant to be integrated into one harmonious whole. And when one of those things begins to dominate or to be repressed, the harmony that God created us for starts to fall apart. So, classic example being drunkenness. If I, if I drink to excess, my, my appetite for the pleasure of consuming beer or wine, right, I experience a disintegration. 
I say things that I shouldn't say. Right? I become a kind of a different person. I can't think clearly. I do things that I would never ordinarily do. Right? Intemperance in this area disintegrates me. Causes my reason to no longer be what governs and oversees my, my decisions and my, my choices. And instead allows other dimensions of my, of my soul to dominate. It's a disintegration. And God does not desire these things for us. As we approach the sacramental mysteries of Christ, in which his life has, has passed over to be present to us now, we experience the same life-giving effects and reordering effects that we see witnessed in the gospel today. As Jesus draws near, God incarnate, he's there to restore order. The disintegration of death has overcome this girl, this little girl, but he approaches, and it's almost as if his mere presence breathes life back into her. So too with us. The presence of Jesus is now under the form of his sacramental life. The worship of God in the Mass, the sacraments of reconciliation in which he himself touches the soul, cleanses it, and heals it. The sacraments of anointing, the sacraments of communion, of holy orders and of, and of matrimony, all of these sacraments make his life present again. And it drives away the power of death to disintegrate us. Merely to be near Jesus is to experience these effects. It's not complicated. <laughs> By the presence of faith, which we ask for the ability to see and to hear, to receive the truths of our faith that reorient and reintegrate us, we too rise out of our sleepy disorder and stand. And just as Jesus commanded that that patient of his, be given something to eat, we too are fed. Having been drawn into the presence of our Lord, life itself, superabundant life, life that conquers every form of death and disintegration, he too commands his church to feed, to give us something to eat. Let us be fed. Let us be nourished. His life, body, blood, soul, and divinity is poured into us through this sacrament. We're hungry for it. We want the, the life that we've experienced in, in close proximity to his word to persevere, to persist in our hearts, to remain in us as we go out then back to our homes and to our, to our neighborhoods, to our, to our families. And that the harmony that he has established in us here continue to restore the harmony that has been disturbed, fractured, broken in God's creation. 
We pray for that hunger today. We pray for the faith to see it, to trust it. And that even when we, when we don't feel it, to know that closeness to Jesus does that very thing in our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.